We are in a sermon series called Digging Deeper. Everyone say, Digging Deeper. Come on, shout it out, Digging Deeper. And the whole gist of this is for you to go deeper in your spiritual life. All of us is called to grow in the Lord. All of us is called to progress in the Lord. And what a sad fact, what a sad reality it is, is for you to go to church for years and never really grow and mature in the faith. That's really sad. And I know a lot of people who um, have went to church for years and they have not progressed, they have not deepened their roots, they're not growing in their faith, they are stagnant, and they are in a rut. And it is very sad for us to spend a lot of activity around godly things around the church house and really never grow. Because activity does not equate spiritual growth. Just because you're active in the church and just because you've been going to church, just because you love the Lord, is not an indicator that you are growing in the Lord. Can I say that again? Just because you love the Lord, just because you've got a good heart, just because you go to church and you're real busy in church, it doesn't mean you are growing in your faith. It doesn't mean that you are progressing in your faith. It doesn't mean that you're deepening your roots. And as a pastor, one of the things I desire for the church, I desire the church to grow, not just numerically, but grow spiritually. The numerical growth should be a byproduct of spiritual growth. And I am asking you through this series of sermons that you would do spiritual evaluation of your life, that you would do spiritual cleaning of your life, that you would ask the serious questions about your personal growth and development. Do not, do not think that I'm just preaching this sermon so that I could have something to say. I am preaching this sermon because this is the word of the Lord to this church. This is the word of the Lord to you personally. Do not shovel the sermon to the person behind you. Do not think that this sermon is for somebody else. This sermon is for you and it's for me as a pastor. My responsibility, according to Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, this is my responsibility as a leader. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8. I want you to look at this. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 8. I want you to look at what the Apostle Paul was saying here. Verse number 8. Therefore, he says, Ephesians 4, 8. When he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Now this he ascended. What does it mean that he also first descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is also the one ascended far above the heavens that he might fulfill all things. And he gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of Man to a perfect man, to the measure and the statue of the fullness of Christ, that we be no more like children tossed to and fro, carried by every wind of doctrine. What is my responsibility as a pastor? My responsibility as a pastor is to make sure you're not a child and that you don't stay a child. It's okay to be a child for a while but you need to progress from being a child to a young man and woman 
to a grown woman and a grown man. You are not called to stay at a child level. And how many would agree with the pastor that we, there in the church world generally, we have a lot of people that's not progressing in their faith and they still act like children. Am I preaching okay in here? We have a lot of Christians still acting like children. You know what children do? you got to tell children, don't do that, put that away, stop that, stay in this fence, don't be hopping over the fence, don't be crawling out of your crib, don't put your hand on the stove. And we have a lot of Christians that we got to continually, don't church hop, don't jump, God's trying to do something in your life but you just want to jump out of the crib all the time. You want to play with things you shouldn't be playing with. The Lord told you, don't be looking at that. Don't be doing that. we got to constantly remind people of the elementary truths of the Word of God. And there comes a time when you grow up in the faith, you don't need pastor or reverend to tell you what you should do or what you should not do. You are grown in the faith enough that you've got the Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit inside of you tells you can I hear an amen up in here? And so, is it okay to be a child? It is, for a while. But you should grow, and you should progress, and you should learn, and you should go from level to level to glory to glory. So you should be a child, then it should progress to a young man or young woman, and then you should progress to a grown man and a grown woman. That's found in 1 John, where, where John the Apostle said, I I'm talking to you, little children. Then a few verses later, he talks about young men and then grown men. You see, it's, it's interesting to me in the book of Hebrews, uh, I think it's Hebrews chapter, um, let me try to find it. Yeah, Hebrews chapter number 5 and verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 5 and verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 5, verse number 12. I want you to look at the writer of Hebrews, what he's saying to these Christians. He says, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, but you need somebody to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have come to need milk and not solid food. For everyone who partakes of only milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, for he is a babe. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good and evil. So guess what the writer here of Hebrews is saying? You know that you have grown in the faith when you can discern between good and evil. That is the spiritual mark of somebody who is, who is spiritually mature. Now I'm not just talking about should I smoke, shouldn't I smoke, or should I have sex outside of marriage, or shouldn't I have... No, I'm talking about walking in discernment. I'm talking about having your senses so exercised by the Spirit of God that you're able to walk in discernment. Am I right about it? Am I right about it? That is the mark of somebody who is spiritually mature. And Paul, which we think he's the writer here, he's saying that I can't give you solid food. I've got to give you milk. And one of the things about children is that they're always following their feelings. Am I right? And they don't necessarily follow what? Discernment. Sometimes discernment will tell you something opposite of your feelings. Feelings, listen to me, feelings 
are indicators, but they're not directors. Feelings are indicators, but there shouldn't be directors in your life. Feelings are real. They're important, but they're not directors in our life. They, they don't direct us. They're just indicators in our life. And so I am asking you as a pastor, and I'm serious, as a heart attack, are you growing? Are you really progressing in your faith? Are you just being stagnant? Are you, are you stuck in a place? Now, I want to show you some things about spiritual growth this morning that I think is essential. What areas do I need to be growing in? Have you ever thought about that? Well, you need to be growing in these areas for sure. You need to be growing in your personal life. That is your spiritual life. You need to be growing, number one, personally, spiritually. You, you as a person, are you growing? In other words, are you growing in your faith? Are, do you have a daily Bible reading plan? Are you reading the Bible? Are you fasting on a regular basis? Fasting is not something you do once a year. It should be something that you cultivate in your life on a regular basis. Maybe you can fast a meal. Maybe you can fast the whole day. Maybe, you know, you can fast a few hours. But you should have that practice in your life. Every great man and woman of God who ever progressed in their faith was people who fasted and put away the table, put away the plate, and gave it to the Lord. So are you fasting? Or do you have a Bible reading plan? Are you reading through the Bible? Is there a consistent digestion of the Word of God? Do you have it in your life? What about your giving? Are you a tither? Are you putting God number one in your giving? Or is your giving something that's a byproduct? You know, do you just think about giving when you come to church? Are you praying about it before you come to church? Are you asking the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to give? You see, because God has called you to live a sacrificial life. And if you are living a comfortable life, comfort and change cannot exist simultaneously. You cannot have comfort and you can't have change together. If you're going to change, you can't have comfort. And I'm going to say that again. If you're going to change, you can't have comfort. Comfort and change cannot exist simultaneously together. So are you progressing in your spiritual faith? Are you progressing spiritually? Are you reading the Bible? Are you progressing in fasting? Are you progressing in your giving? You see, the Bible says in Malachi chapter 3 that he said that you have robbed God of your tithe and of your offerings. You see, it's, it's a serious matter. You should put God first, number one, in your tithe. You say, well, pastor, I don't have it. That's not the point of tithing. If you had it to do it, everybody would do it. Tithing is saying, God, you come number one before the electric bill. God, you come number one before I eat. God, you come number one before I put clothes on my back. God, because I acknowledge you that you're the one that gave me the job. I acknowledge that you gave me the strength to get up out of this bed. I acknowledge that you are my source and you are my provider. My employment is not my provider. You are my provider. So are you putting God number one in your finances, or is he last? Is, is it last? Is it something that you don't even think about? It's a serious matter. What about are you the second level of growth? Personally, are you growing together as a family? Family. That means husbands and wives. Are you praying together? Are you strengthening the bond of marriage? Marriage will not be strengthened unless you strengthen it. You've got to do something. You've got to pray together. Yeah, I would encourage you, read the scriptures together. Make a time of family devotion where you and your wife and your husband and your children have a time of prayer, 
have a time of communication and have a time where you and I, where you and your family communicate together as a family. You see, one of the major things that happens in families is the lack of communication. You see, you should be able to feel the tank. Everybody is an empty tank. And you have the ability to make a withdrawal or you make a deposit. Are you making a deposit in your family's life? Are you making a deposit in your son and your daughter? Are you being that example? It's good that we take them to football games and basketball games. It's good that they play in soccer. All of that's good and fine. But you should put priority first and your child should be in church on Sunday morning and Wednesday night and make a priority that the Word of God comes first. They're going to play soccer. They're going to play football. But primarily, I'm going to make sure they get the Word inside of them. Can I hear an amen? Let me see. It worked for me. I went to church. I was made to go to church by my grandparents. It was fine with me. I didn't have to go. They may, and listen, you, you, you've, got to, you've got to make a decision that all of that's good and fine. There's five days a week that they can have fun. It doesn't hurt for us to bring our children two hours on Sunday morning and get the Word of God into them. I'm going to say that again. It doesn't hurt to take two hours on Sunday morning and an hour and a half on Wednesday night to get the Word of God inside of them. I'm going to say that again. Maybe you all would agree with me. I would hope since you're Christians you would agree that we should put the Word of God inside of our children. I know you're laughing. I like a participatory church here. I like for you to once in a while shake your head and say I agree with you. Is that all right? If Catholics can take their five-year-old and put him through catechism, there's a chance that that child will never leave the Catholic church. And Pentecostals, we become so driven by our feelings that we leave our children home and don't bring them to church while the Catholic church is superseding us and the Mormon church, you know what the Mormon church does? They drop their children off in the morning before they take them to public school. That's what the Mormon church does. And the Mormon church requires you to tithe 30%. And they're the one of the largest Christian cults there is in the world because of their standards. I didn't say their standards were right. I'm just saying that they said, you know what, if we're going to build this church, we're going to build it by standards. And people don't want to belong to a church without standards. They want to feel like they're contributing, and they want to feel like they're a part of something bigger than they are. Can I hear an amen? So you should make it a priority, making sure your children are in the house of God. I used to feel guilty by saying that. But you know what, I, as... As the years progress, I do not feel guilty about making sure I publicly say to parents, bring your children to Sunday school and get the Word of God inside of them. You should not, I should not feel guilty about that. Absolutely not. It should be a priority in your life to make sure children are trained in the house of God. Amen. Number three. Number three, are you growing in your church family? If you have feelings of, I feel isolated, well, do you come to anything? I don't feel connected. Well, whose fault is that? Whose fault is it? If the church provides opportunity for you to get connected and you don't do it, I can't make you be connected. And we can never... We can never exalt spirituality over the art of commitment. 
because in Scripture, spirituality and community and commitment is equal. You've got to make a decision that if you're going to be a part of a church, you've got to be committed to it. You've got to be committed to it to the good times and the bad times. There'll be Sundays we have a lot of people and Sundays we don't have a lot of people. There'll be Sundays that I won't preach good and you've got to listen to it. And there'll be Sundays you think I preach good. Come on, somebody. There'll be Sundays that you have a bad attitude and I'm having a bad morning. But you've got to be committed to the body of Christ no matter what's happening. Can I hear an Amen. You know why you've got to be committed? Because you're committed to your spouse even when you have a bad time. You don't leave your spouse. You shouldn't leave your spouse. You stay with them through the bad times and the good times. And that's the same, listen to me, that's the same analogy that Paul gives the church is marriage. It's the same analogy. So you've got to be committed to the church just like you're committed to marriage. There are some days you don't, fall, you don't even feel like you're in love. There are some days you don't even want to be married. And there are some days you don't love the church or want to come to the church, but you made a commitment that this is my church and I'm going to be faithful to it. Now how can you say you're saved and don't go to church? How can a bee say that they're a bee without a hive? How can a teacher say that they're a teacher without a student? How, students, how can you say you're part of an army or you're a soldier without being a part of an army? You've got to be connected. You've got to serve. You can't set sour and soap. You've got to be a part. If you're just setting and coming to church and getting a free sermon and not contributing anything, then that's a spiritual problem. God has called you to do something. And listen, your discouragement is not an excuse for your disobedience. Well, I'm discouraged. Well, aren't we all discouraged? I, I'm going to take a break from serving. Where's that in the Bible? True servants... Serve in the midst of their pain. True servants serve in the midst of their hurt. You are called to serve no matter what's happening in your life. Can I just get a little bit of love up here? People say, I I'm, I'm taking a break from serving. Really? Jesus said, you are to carry the cross. There ain't no time out and say, I don't think I'm going to carry the cross today. No. I serve when I'm hurting. I serve when I don't feel like it. I, I serve. Well, you get paid to do it. I haven't always got paid to do it. No, 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 ma'am. You've got to make a decision. That disappointment is not an excuse for your disobedience. You're not called to take a time out. Jesus died across death. Am I right? He died on a cross. And as a result of him dying on the cross, you are called to have a cross life. Do you all still love me? Y'all going to vote me out tonight? Are y'all still up here? Did you, did you hear me? Jesus died across death. And as a result, you're called to carry a cross life. And you don't get no breaks. It's, it's not, I, I'll decide one day I want to carry the cross and another, no, it's a cross life. If any man 
wants to be my disciple, Mark chapter 8, let him pick up his cross and let him follow me. Are you picking up the cross and are you following him? You see, it's hard. Well, guess what? It's, listen, people are going to hurt you. People are going to say things to you. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have feelings of not coming to church. You're going to have feelings against me. You're going to have feelings against your neighbor. But you're going to have to make up your mind that I'm a part of a community. I'm a part of a church. It's not easy. But I made a decision that I am carrying the cross. And I'm not putting the cross down for nobody. Nobody said it was going to be easy. So are you growing personally? Are you growing with your family? Are you growing in the church? You're making a commitment. And number four, are you growing in the place of your employment? Some of us don't like the jobs we have, but you've got to learn to grow through it. If you're going to get through it, you've got to grow through it. And you've got to learn to, even at the place of your employment, God might put you with somebody that you don't like. God might put you with somebody you can't stand. But sometimes that's the design, that's the perfect plan of God. Because God is placing you in situations so that he can mold you and make you into a mature believer. People are like sandpaper. Sometimes you've got to have those people in your life. You're not always going to have somebody sing your praises and tell you how beautiful you are and how awesome you look and how... Uh, you know, they're not always going to sing your praises. Sometimes you've got to have those people in your life to work as sandpaper so you can develop integrity and character in your life. Are you growing? How do you treat your boss? Do you show up on time to work or are you showing up late? Don't expect to be promoted if you're always 10 minutes late. I know I'm preaching right here. I said, don't expect to be promoted if you're 10 minutes late. Don't be expect to be promoted if you roll your eyes at your boss and give him a hard time off. Don't be, do not expect to be promoted. You say, well, preacher, I can't stand to him. If you are working in that job, you are called to submit and not necessarily agree. Anybody can agree. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to agree. I could agree with you. But submission means Sub, I come under your mission. So if you're late to work and you show up with a bad attitude, don't expect to be promoted and don't have a victim mentality that nobody cares for you and nobody loves you. You are creating the thunderstorm and don't complain about it when it rains. Did you hear me? Don't complain when it rains. So how are you treating your boss? How are you treating your employees? Are they seeing Jesus in you? Are you making a sacrifice? You know, I like, uh, Jeremy, did you find that pyramid for me? Put that pyramid up here. These are the areas you should be growing in, spiritually. I gave you the four categories, but let's break it down spiritually. You should be growing, number one, in the Word. That deals with your head, Okay? You should, have, you should have time where you're studying the Word, you're believing the Word, that deals with your head. Then you should worship God because that deals with the heart. You should love the Lord thy God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind. You should be loving God with your heart. You should be working with your hands. You know what that is? That is service. 
you should be serving people. And feet represent witness. You should be carrying the witness. So let's put it like this. Are you growing in these areas of your life? Are you having a time where you're growing in the Word? You're mentally engaging the Bible. Are you worshiping God privately and publicly? Are you coming to a public worship service, but yet are you worshiping God on a daily basis with your life? Work. Are you engaging your hands? That means physically are you doing something? It could be shaking people's hands at the door. It could be serving in the nursery. But every one of us, don't lose me, every one of us should be doing two types of service. Everybody look up here. Two types. There is in-service. There is out-service. In-service, you should be serving the church. Every one of you should be doing something. And number two, you should be out-serving outside the walls. So you have in-service and out-service. You should have a commitment to the church that you are serving in an area of the church because it's his church. You're called to it. You should serve, whether it's on the worship team, whether it's cleaning the church, whatever it could be. It could be something small. It doesn't matter, but you should be active. And then you should have out-service, which is your servant outside the walls of this church. So it's word, worship, work, and witness. These are the areas that should be redefined in your life. These are areas that you should allow the Holy Spirit to work on in your life. Listen, it's hard. Nobody said it was easy. It's hard. And if you're going to do these things, you're going to have to realize it really involves self-denial. You're going to have to deny yourself. And, and the concept of self-denial is really not a popular concept because we don't want to hear anything that has denial or death in it. But in Scripture, self-fulfillment is only through self-denial. If you're really going to be fulfilled in life, if you're really going to be fulfilled, it's going to happen through self-denial. You say, well, Pastor, I'm hurting. Are you ministering to somebody else? I don't feel like it. Are you ministering? Are you loving on somebody else? Are you speaking the word to somebody else? If you're always focusing on your hurt and you're always focusing on your pain, then you're going to become a Christian that's inward grown focus. And you're going to have a victim mentality where it's all about your troubles and all about your hell and you're never going to be a walking message system to minister to somebody else. Listen, Jesus is dying on the cross. And what does Jesus do? Jesus teaches us a principle that even though you're dying in pain, you should bring relief to somebody else in your pain. Jesus brought relief to the thief on the cross. Even in your pain, you should be a blessing to somebody else. Even in your discouragement, you should be a blessing to somebody else. You say, well, pastor, it's hard. Well, guess what? If it was easy, everybody would be doing it. It's easy to sit there with our arms folded and we don't want to praise God. We don't want to give. We don't want to serve. And we don't like this. We don't like that. It's easy. Everybody can do that. But God has called us to give him a sacrifice. And a sacrifice is saying, I don't want to do it, but I decide to do it because it is the right thing and it is the spiritual thing to do. That's when it becomes a sacrifice. Are you growing? Y'all can tell I'm all stirred up this morning, don't you? But I want you to grow. 
want you to remain stagnant. I want you to, I want you to live the cross life. I want you to pick up that cross and hear the cross life. Let me ask you a question. This question will be, just let me just throw it at you. This is a fun fact, thought-provoking growth question. Okay? Let me just throw it at you. What if God showed up in our lives as much as we showed up in his house? I think I'll just move on to my next thing here. Until Jesus becomes enough, nothing else will. Until Jesus is all, until you put priorities, priorities, until you get your house in order, until you get your finances in order, until you get your growth in order, until you get your church in order, until you get these things in order and you begin to place things in priority, you're going to keep circling around the same mountain over and over and over and over. And it's what psychologists call functional bondage. It's what psychologists calls it. Functional bondage. You know what functional bondage is? Repeating the same process, hoping things will change. Can I, can I say that again? Functional bondage is repeating the same process, hoping things will change. Things don't change unless you change. Things don't move unless you move. Things don't, things don't go to the next level until you make an indication it goes to the next level. You've got to play a primary part in your life. You see, if you don't have faith in this, it's not going to work. You see, faith doesn't deny that problems exist. It denies this place of influence in your life. You can acknowledge your pain. You can acknowledge the problems. You can acknowledge the hell. But when you are serving God, faith says, I don't deny it, but it's not going to occupy a place of influence in my life. And some of us, I hate to say, including myself, when I'm preaching to you, I'm, I'm preaching to myself too, we have allowed a lot of things to occupy our life and we haven't put things in the right perspective, in the right place. You see things the way you are, not how they appear. You see things the way you are, not the way things appear. If you have a negative outlook on life, everything will be negative and everybody will do you wrong. You see things through the lens that you have created in your life. One of my lenses that I've created, I honestly, and I've grown in the Lord, but I used to be so naive, I didn't really think that people did a lot of sinning until they started coming to my office confessing things and my face got red. What was the lens? My lens was I just thought everybody was good all the time. So guess what? I always let people serve and preach and do things because I always thought the best of people. And I still think the best of people because God's grace covers a multitude of our sin. I still think that way. Can I hear an amen? But we look through the lens that we have created in our life. Listen, today's complacency will be tomorrow's captivity. The things 
that you become complacent in today, it will become captive in your heart tomorrow. Those things that you let lax in your life, those things that you let go in your life, those things that you don't pay attention to, it will become captive in your life. Don't allow the spirit of complacency to rest upon you where you become to the place that you desire. You don't want to grow no more. You don't want to advance anymore. You just want to stay stagnant. Don't become complacent. Grow. Mature. See, what are you doing, Pastor Josh? I'm following the Scriptures. The Scripture said my responsibility is to what? To grow us. All of us, including myself, we all should be growing in the Word of God. And I want to close this morning, and I want you to have a new appreciation of the Word of God. Make this a daily habit in your life. You know, it's amazing that when tax time comes, tax season comes, most of us will go to a CPA and we'll sit down and that CPA will figure up everything. And sometimes the CPA will tell us that you're getting X amount of money back. And you know what most of us will do? We'll leave the accounting office that day really excited that we're getting an X amount of money back for those who get money back. Preachers, you never get anything back. But anyway. <laughs> but for those who get something back, you're, you're excited. Rightfully so, right? Right? And isn't it amazing that we become so excited over something that we don't have yet in our hands? You, you'll go home and you'll write a list out of everything you're going to buy when your tax money comes. But yet, you don't have the check. Now, why is it that we'll put so much emphasis upon preparing to do something when we don't have the money? You know what that's called? That's called faith. I don't see it, I don't have it, but I know it's coming. Now, how many of us could just put our faith back in the Word of God? I don't see it, I don't even feel it, but I know the Word of God is true, and if the Word of God says I'm blessed, then I'm blessed. If the Word of God says I'm healed, I'm healed. If the Word of God says I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. And it don't matter how I feel or what my day says, I believe the Word of the living God. How many of us place so much emphasis upon something we don't have and we'll prepare for it, but when it comes to what the Bible says, we just look at it as another book. I want you to believe God today. The Bible says in Ephesians 3.20, Now unto him that's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. The Bible says in Jude verse 24, Now unto him that's able to keep you from falling. Hebrews 7.25, Wherefore he is able to save us from the uttermost. 2 Corinthians 9.8, And God is able to make all grace abound. Do you believe God? Do you trust God? Have you put your faith in the Word of God or are you putting your faith in things that you see and touch and feel? What about it? What about it? Faith doesn't deny a problem exists. It denies us a place of influence in our life. It's not going to have a place of influence in my life. G. 
Jesus said that you've got to pick up that cross life. You've got to make a decision that you're going to grow in the Lord. You know, Proverbs 25, 28 says this. Proverbs 25, 28 says this. Look at the scripture. Proverbs 25, 28. They're going to put it behind me. And look at the words of this man. He says, wherefore, whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city that's broken down without walls. If, if you don't put walls in your life and you don't decide to grow in your life, then the scripture says you're broken down. You've got to learn to have rule over yourself. You've got, you got to learn to say no to some things. You've got to learn to say yes to some things and no to some things. You've got to learn to have rule over your own spirit. Because if you don't have rule over your own spirit, you become like a broken down wall. Now, I encourage you this week to grow in that pyramid. That little guy that I, we put up there, I want you to grow in the Word. I want you to grow in worship. I want you to grow in work. And I want you to grow in your witness. I want you to make a decision that you're not going to stay in a place of stagnation, superficiality, but you're going to grow from point A to point B. And that you're determined to grow no matter how you feel. You want to be a growing Christian.